just like that we're back fast we're talking fast today we're talking speed we're talking probably the biggest spectator sport in america could be in the top one or two in the world i think football or soccer is the number one most watched sport in the world but in america we got the footballs we got the nba we got college football we have major league baseball we have a ton of awesome women's sports but i think that going around a track in a nascar is probably the most popular sport in the world as far as what we love to watch on a Saturday or Sunday. There's country songs written about it. I mean, Eric Church sings Talladega. I don't know how many times NASCAR has been mentioned in country music and rock and roll music, but it's a lot. It's a spectacle. Myself, I've been to races. I've been to a lot of NASCAR. I've been to the Indy 500, which is a completely different style of racing. And I'm uh, very happy to say that we have one of, I would say probably the most popular drivers in the country on the show today. He uh, races for Bass Pro Shops, Black Rifle Coffee. He has an unbelievable story, in my opinion. His name is Noah Gregson. He's from Las Vegas, Nevada. Noah, how are you, my brother? I'm doing good. I, I really appreciate you having me on here and, and getting a chance to talk to you. Man, I, I've been looking forward to it. We have mutual friends in the, uh, I guess, the racing industry, fans of racing, friends of the family. Uh, we both have in common that we come from the great state of Nevada. I was in Florida last week, Noah, and I'm not one of those guys that really likes to be, you know, like it's Nevada, you know, cause a lot of Southerners and I'm sure you hear it when you're down at Talladega or Daytona or somewhere like, Oh, you're from Nevada, right? How I many you hear that quite a bit? All the time. All the time. Are you one of the guys that's like, Hey, it's Nevada. You, I, I just got to the point now to where I just let it slide. Yeah. That's how, like, that's how I am. Nevada, Nevada. To me, it's Nevada, obviously. Um, you talk to anybody from Nevada and they say Nevada, but a lot of out of towners say Nevada. So I like to stick with Nevada, but each their own. I got to ask you this to start off. Um, when I go to Vegas and I, I, I played college baseball at UNLV, I've been to Vegas lots and lots of times. We both know why, um, you know, it's a place you go to get down a little bit. If you want to dance, you want to club it, you want the shot shows down there, the, the swimming pool, the Sunday parties, the rehab at, at uh, the Hard Rock. There's so much cool stuff and vibe going on in Vegas. Vegas is a city to where personally I can take maybe two nights now. Like it tires you out that quick. Um, but one of the cool things about Vegas that I've experienced in the last five years are the go-karts. You can go to Vegas and race high power go-karts and you can even go to Vegas and like rent a Ferrari and like drive around a track in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or one of the new vets or, you know, whatever it is. Did you partake in this growing up in that area? Were you constantly going to this style of a track? Because if I live there, they don't have it where I live. If I live there, I would constantly be doing this. Was this part of your life? Yeah, definitely. So um, that's kind of how I got my start in racing is, is like you say, you can go do anything in Vegas. It's not when people go to Vegas, they see they always ask me growing up, oh, did you did you live in a hotel or all that stuff? It's like, no, no, no. There's a lot more to Vegas um, than just a strip. And then Vegas really has everything. So, um, yeah, I lived on the west side of town up near uh, Red Rock area. For those who are familiar with with vegas but it's up against the mountains basically and i mountain biking dirt biking snowboarding skateboarding you name it whatever action sports i could do i i just enjoyed getting my adrenaline up and um just kind of living on the edge um you know i didn't they used to call me no fear growing up family members and stuff just because there's a jump on a bicycle and all my other buddies are really like, no, I'm not, I'm not jumping that. I'd be the one to test dummy and go hit it and um, really be the only one hitting big jumps or going down steep hills and stuff on my mountain bike. Um, just little things like that. So um, I always liked watching racing on TV. I grew up a big Travis Pastrana fan um, who's arguably one of the best um, freestyle motocross riders in the world. Um, in history. So grew up a big fan of his, he kind of went into NASCAR and, and that's really where I got interested in, in really car racing was through Travis Pastrana. So, 
I started when I was 13 racing bandoleros, which are small, little quarter-sized cars. That was the, the first um, real, real car I ever raced. But uh, before that, for about a year uh, before that, I was going to a little indoor go-kart track in Vegas called Pole Position Raceway and grew up just doing that um, a year or two before I started racing and we'd go there every Saturday and Sunday and they'd have a all-you-can-drive special for like a hundred bucks and you get dropped off at 11 a.m. and picked up at 9 p.m. and um, just absolutely loving it. Be all there, um, racing different people and um, you know, we get 30, 40 races in, in a day and, um, uh, be worn out when we got home. So it, it gave my parents a break for me, not annoying them. And, uh, and I got to do what I enjoyed. Where does the adrenaline seat come from? Like you're in Vegas, you, you know, most of the mindset in Vegas is like, how early can I get a fake ID and go play a hand of blackjack? Like that's the adrenaline rush for most people that, that, that are around that city. In my opinion, like that's, you know, big odds, you know, playing the odds and putting a hundred dollars down on a hand of blackjack. Where does this adrenaline rush come from? Like, I know, I know that there's a lot of sports and sporting bet, you know, sports betting and sports books in Vegas. Obviously it's the betting capital of the world. It's the fight capital of the world. We both probably share the same passion for MMA and the UFC and fighting. Why, why motorsports, Noah, why can't you just go to Lake Mead and jump off a cliff and do a backflip and be fine with that or sneak into a casino? Why do you have to be going 200 miles an hour to get your rocks off, bro? It just, you know, I, I never played um, really. I never really gambled. I wasn't into gambling um, until I was about 22, 22 and a half. Um, and I was just never interested in it um, because I was like, oh, they don't build these places by cashing out. Um, but I, I've started playing over the last six months um, whenever I go back out to Vegas. Um, thankfully, I don't live there because I'd probably be a gambling addict right now but i just play blackjack i just enjoy playing small 10 15 hands and just sitting there having a few cocktails and um just relaxing and, and getting the bullshit with the some buddies and stuff but um you know when you put like money down on a hand and you're like let's say you, you're betting five times the amount of what you've been betting all night and you're to the end of the night i, I don't know if you've had this um uh, point in a gambling night but kind of like ah screw it i'm going in and if i win i win if i lose i lose but deep down you want to win and you, you start getting the butterflies that's that's about five percent of the butterflies that i get behind the seat of a dirt bike or behind the steering wheel of a race car or jumping a big jump on a mountain bike 40 feet 50 feet you know um that kind of stuff I live for. I was always the kid to be building my own jumps. We used to have a place up in Bryan Head, Utah, um, right on the mountain. I'd be building my own jumps um, out out on the the ski hill and stuff, um, just doing whatever I could to to scare the shit out of myself. Really, um, <laughs> that's what I like, you know. And I like the unknown, and um, I like proving myself wrong because I'm pretty confident myself. But at the same time. Um, I want to, I kind of want to confirm, I want confirmation that, Hey, I can do this. And, that uh, basically I'm kind of not a bitch, you know? Um, <laughs> and I want to, I kind of, I like just the attention of it. Um, so do, did, does it pad your ego, bro? Does it, this, is this what makes you like walk away from this and say, I just conquered that jump? Or is this something to where, this is inside of you. Like, this is what your entire passion is in life. I get that the easy answer is, well, of course it is. This is what I do for a living. I'm going to be one of the best NASCAR drivers in the world. Your history, your, your, your experiences, your wins, what you've done already at such a young age is awesome. But why do you have to say the things like, I want to prove that I'm not a bitch. Do you, can't you do that in other ways in life? Or is it just in Noah's in Noah Gregson's mindset and his wiring that being a bitch means that I can't go 200 miles an hour or I can't jump over this gap. I can't Jeremy McGrath that I can't Travis Mastrana. I mean, these guys have balls of steel. They do things that I would never ever, you might as well just jump in the ocean when you see six greats white swimming. Like that's how I look at it, right? Like why, 
do you have to have such an adrenaline rush to be considered not a bitch? Because I want to, I've, I've grown up my whole life watching Jeremy McGrath, Travis Pastrana, all these guys. And if they can do it, why can't I? Right. And, um, I always try to give a hundred percent in every single thing I do. And I try to, um, you know, if I have my, I've always been the kid, if I have my sight set on something, then I was going to do whatever it takes to achieve it. Um, doesn't mean if, you know, if I'm breaking bones, I'll let it heal and go back and, and jump it again. Just cause I, I think it's more inside myself of like, Hey, I want to be a, elite guy like these guys I look up to, I want to be like them one day. Um, this is, this is what I'm going to try and do to like prove to myself that I can be like them. What about with the big money riding on it though? No, Greg. So now you have big sponsors. You have that logo on your hat. That's the biggest outdoor fishing, hunting, recreational retailer in the world. Johnny Morris is legendary. He started Bass Pro Shops. He put together the Cabela's, you know, put together the entire group to buy Cabela's and now they've bought another retailer in the country. They have the museum of the natural wonder. I mean, they're an amazing family. They're a national treasure. Do they want you out there jumping on a mountain bike and doing crazy shit on a motocross bike now? I mean, you got to be in the car driving now, bro. Don't you? Yeah. So now it's a job. That was, that was when I was probably the last time that stuff. I mean, I still mountain bike. Um, I still hit jumps. I still need to scare myself a little bit, but, you know, I feel relaxed behind the wheel of a race car. Um, but there's always one or two moments still going 200 miles an hour. I feel relaxed, but there's always those one or two moments in a race where maybe somebody will nudge you in the corner and, and you almost wreck it and you save it. And you're like, Oh damn, that was, that was pretty crazy. But, you know, I haven't, I haven't been hitting big jumps or, I got to really pace myself now, uh, now that it's a job and it's a career and I have a lot of people relying on me to be safe and healthy, uh, that I I can't be getting hurt. So, um, I've really, I still enjoy doing those things, but I have to go slower. I think my skills are still good to, to go faster and whatnot, but I always have to trim it down to 50%, um, which is really hard for me just because I'm always, I got a lot of ADD. I'm going, going, going. I'm always on the chip. And so um, when I'm riding my dirt bike out in the desert over the wintertime, um, hauling ass fourth gear, I got to remind myself, hey, can't click fifth and hold it wide open. You just got to gotta cruise, you know, and, and it kind of sucks sometimes, but but racing is everything I love and, uh, and racing NASCAR. And there's so many people who, who get their lives for me to have this opportunity um, all the mechanics on the cars, everybody at Bass Pro Shop and Black Rifle Coffee and Tree Timber, everybody coming together to help with this this opportunity that I have. Um, it takes everyone. And so, yeah, just just pacing myself a little better these days. That's what's uh, that's what keeps me safe and healthy. That's very well said, my man. I really respect that. Here's another uh, aspect before I go into my little uh, – question and answer section on 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 super or extreme sports which i'm a huge fan of but you talk about your team and you talk about representing that team and you talk about laying off the pedal a little bit and pumping the brakes a little bit more on on being so adrenaline savvy when you're out in public or when you're in your personal life but what about you as a man now you're you just self-admitted that you're high strung type a personality might have a little add you said um a lot of add a lot of ADD. me and you share this right we share this we can't sit still i get my i get my adrenaline rush off of other things but i absolutely love what you do but tell me now is it hard to be so young where usually somebody your age would be at a frat party yeah. They would be jumping off the second balcony into a swimming pool. We've all seen the movies like, you know, where we throw the biggest parties in the history of the world, land cars in there and they just do crazy shit. Are you maturing? Do you have to be on your A game at all times? You mentioned having a cocktail at a casino. Can you go out and get wild in today's society of social media and phones everywhere? The more recognizable you become, Noah, but you're still wearing that logo on your hat. You're still representing 
very down home, family oriented brands. Has it been difficult for you to hone that in and be like, dude, I, I can't go out and be a regular 22 year old kid, man. I gotta, I gotta chill. Yeah, I, I think definitely. And, and there's been some, some hard learning moments for me and, you know, everyone, everyone makes mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes and it's just trying to, trying to have battle that double-edged sword of like, Hey, I'm a 22 year old kid. All my high school buddies are doing this and that's fun. But here's, here's the goal. I want to be at the top one day. I want to be the best in NASCAR and I have a lot of great people behind me. Not going out one night can be the difference between racing for the rest of your life and, and never racing again, you know, one stupid mistake one night um, of going out and doing something. So I don't want to say I, I don't go out and have fun. Um, I still do that, but I'm a lot more cautious and it's something that there's a lot of pressure for a 22 year old to, to be in those shoes because um, you know, I have a career that I've, I've had going since really I started racing every tweet, Every post on Instagram, on social media, everything I do, every, some, someone's watching and someone has an opinion about it. So I've had to be on my best behavior um, since I was 13 years old, you know, and, and that's been tricky and there's been stuff I've missed out on, but it's nothing that I would, I don't, I don't know if it's missing out. It's just stuff that was going on where if I wasn't racing, I would be there, but racing is such a priority to me and it will always be a priority that that stuff doesn't even matter to me because just because I love racing so much and it doesn't feel like I'm missing out. It just, just feels like something else is going on, but, but I'd rather be racing. Well, you mentioned Travis Pastrana, you mentioned Jeremy McGrath in our home state of Nevada. You've mentioned, um, you know, mountain biking, Cam Zink is from this state. He's won the Red Bull Rampage. The dude is going to break the world. He's going to break his own world record for furthest gap jump. The kid is, he's been on the podcast before. We've had Scotty Lego on here, who's an Olympic bronze medalist snowboarder, X-game gold medalist. The guy's competed with the best of, you know, the Sean Whites and everybody. And and then we have David Wise from up here, who's a two-time Olympic gold medalist freestyle skier in the half pipe and a four-time X-game gold medalist. You talk about your adrenaline rush. You talk about the fun it is. You talk about that you have to have this. But here's one thing that I don't want to forget. The amount of dedication and focus that it takes to get to the level that the people I just named have gotten to, the level that you've gotten to in racing at such a young age. There's a lot that goes into this besides representing yourself the right way, representing your family the right way, representing your sponsors and friends the right way. You have to be keen on diet, nutrition, working out, fitness. I've had people like Cam Zink on this podcast, Noah Gregson, told me motocross riders are the best athletes in the world. Their heart rate is way up here. Their core strength is here. They might have just a short race for this many laps, but what they're going through in that time frame, they are the best athletes in the world. And I'm like, well, it makes total sense. So now you take you that agrees with what Cam Zink said – at 22, you have to stay dedicated to this to this lifestyle, to this profession. How do you do it focus-wise and working out-wise? You can't just go to In-N-Out, which is very prevalent where you live in Vegas or wherever you're at from where you're from. You can't just go grab a bunch of fries and double-doubles anymore. You got to go to the gym. Is it tough for you, or are you dedicated in that part too? Do you have to be in good shape to be a NASCAR driver? Yes and no. It's It's different um than than most sports so motocross you're standing up the whole time basically doing squats the whole time for 30 minutes straight you're holding on to resistance bands or you got weights and you're you're basically punching 15 pound dumbbells in each arm for 30 minutes your heart rate's through the roof you're breathing hard and you're just trying to hold on for everything you got with 250, 300 pound dirt bike underneath you. You know, those guys, they got a lot more going on. We're in the sitting position, but where our sport is tough, in my opinion, is mentally 
having that, just that, just being able to keep mentally focused for two or three hours at a hundred percent capacity. Um, it's really hard. And, and also probably the biggest thing is the heat of the race cars. It's 130, 140, sometimes up to 150 degrees in the car for two, three, four hours at a time. That's where it really becomes exhausting is we're losing nine to 12 pounds of water weight throughout a race in the summer, sweating it all out. And so by the end of these races, your race suits wet, you feel it's basically like jumping into a pool with your clothes on. That's what your race suit feels like. Um, and then it just takes a toll on your, your mind and, and just trying to stay mentally focused for, for that amount of duration. It's, that's the hardest thing. So the way that we kind of train for that is we do a lot of long bike rides, a lot of long runs in the sun, um, especially a lot of heat training during the summer outside, um, just trying to spend as much time outside in the heat as possible to try and get acclimated to it. Cause, um, you know, it's hot in there and we get a little air pump on our helmets, but that maybe cools it down 20, 25 degrees, um, from inside air temperature, which is not a whole lot, but I'll tell you what, 105 degree air blowing down in your head when it's 130 out feels pretty damn good. You know, <laughs> you want to think so, but it feels good. So, um, but overall, you know, you have guys like Tony Stewart, who is not very fit at all, um, visually. Um, and then you guys, you got guys like Jimmy Johnson where, um, Jimmy's run a marathon, the Boston marathon, 26.2 miles. So I don't know. I think being fit and mentally prepared is the biggest thing. And and just being able to, um, be acclimated to that heat once you get into that environment inside the race car during the summer months and, and be mentally sharp at the end of the races. I think that's the most important thing. So, um, not really about visual figure, but just about that mental strength and, and heat acclimation. So what, what, how do you prepare for that each week during the season? No, it's, I talk a lot about in athletics, the, the word visualization and how important visualization drills are of, you know, seeing yourself in the winner's circle, you know, on top of that podium, first place. How do you prepare for that? What's the focus like? What's the mentality like of a NASCAR driver in something that has so many variables in it? Meaning you're not just going around that track and trying to set the best time by yourself. You're dodging other cars. You're, you're catching drafts. You're avoiding crashes and wrecks. You're communicating with your pit team. What is the visualization and what is like the pregame focus or mentality of Noah Gregson going into a race? I'll take you through my week. So we race on Saturday, come home Saturday night, rest up Sunday, get ready to go Monday morning, um, have a workout Monday morning. Um, and then we'll go to the shop. I'll go to the shop 9:30 AM, uh, for competition meeting, do that for about an hour, take the guys to lunch, the, the crew guys on the, the mechanics on the team, take them to lunch. And then after that, um, you know, get whatever, whatever stuff I need with the PR people done on Monday, um, Tuesday, go work out in the morning, come to the shop, talk with my crew chief a little bit about other stuff, go to the engineering room, try and learn stuff, try and learn more stuff about the car. Wednesday comes around, um, more media stuff going on. Um, there's no real set set schedule um, on Tuesday, Wednesdays, but um, it's kind of just it's trying to work out each and every day. Um, usually you have a bike ride um, or a run in there, or we'll go work out over at the shop. Um, you get to Thursday, and then we'll have another pre-race meeting um, for the 
not the weekend coming up, but the following weekend. We try and stay a, a week ahead um, just so it gets us thinking about the following weekend um, and whatnot. So we're prepared that whole next week leading up to it, um, up to the race. But so we'll do that meeting and then we'll talk about the race weekend coming up for the last 15 minutes, um, last minute things, pit practice, um, going over to Hendrick Motorsports, doing pit practice. Uh, you know, that's a big part of our sport is pit stops with all the cars. I mean, we're racing for thousands of a second a lot. That's the difference between first and fifth, thousands of a second. And the easiest way to make up positions is on pit road and, and having the fastest speed down pit road without speeding. We don't have speedometers in our car. That makes it tricky. We have um, a tachometer, which shows us our RPMs and it's calculated out um, how many rotations per minute on the tires, um, time over distance. So how much distance you cover in amount of time. And if let's say the pit road speed is 50 miles an hour, if you go 150 feet in X amount of time, it's too fast. Um, you're going too fast. So you need to, it's a lot of calculations and trying to get up to 50 miles an hour without going over it um, is, is really hard to do. So you can run 48 miles an hour, but the guy running 49 miles an hour down pit road is going to beat you. So um, there's a lot of, a lot of different stuff like that, getting into your box. It's, it's a lot of little minute things, but every, all these small things add up. Um, and, and like you said, there's a lot of um, different variables that go into racing. So let's say you're on the final pit stop and one of the pit guns for the lug nuts, taking the lug nuts on and off, that breaks on the final pit stop. What if a valve spring in the motor there's, there's a malfunction with that. What if you run over a piece of debris um, in the race? What if somebody hits you? What if someone wrecks in front of you? What if, you know, there's so many what ifs in our sport. And I think that's what makes racing in motorsports such such a hard um, sport compet competition wise is just because basketball sports, you know, basketball, football, you're playing one other team. And we're playing every single team every weekend. So we're basically, if you have a full year in football and you're playing every team and you have your winner, that's your champion, right? In football, the best team of that year. Well, our football year is one weekend in NASCAR because we're racing everyone. So it's like a champ. If you win one race, it's like, in my opinion, you're beating everyone else. It's kind of like winning a championship in stick and ball sports. That's a great point. I've never looked at it that way. And that's the same mentality as all the other drivers. So obviously everybody's on their Sunday Super Bowl best on that game, on that game day of the NASCAR race. You talk about the pit, you talk about the team. This is a fine oiled machine. When you talk about going in and practicing these pit stops, you get in every family, there's arguing, there's fighting, there's friction, right? How do you yeah. stay away from that in this type of sport to where like there is so much adrenaline going on? And if something happens to where you get a bad pit time and you lose those valuable milliseconds, how do you keep a how is there a lot of team building? Is there a lot of time spent together where you guys know that everybody's in it to win it and you try your best? to never lose your shit if something goes wrong? Cause it seems to me at that ultimate time that you want to go, you want to be going fast and now you're out of the race or you're, you've dropped back so far because of mistakes made. How do you prevent that? What, how, how are your coaches coaching you? Are there coaches? And is there like a lead guy that keeps all of that in check at all times? That's a great question. And um, it's something that, that I've had to work really hard on is, um, just trying to keep your cool. You know, when something goes wrong, your natural instinct is, hey, what the heck, you know? You want to point the finger. But in my opinion, I try to, or I do take the blame every time I mess up. Because when you start pointing fingers, that's when people start not believing you. If you take, it's, a, it's all about taking accountability and, um, you know, taking, Hey, I, I messed up. 
Well, the way I look at it, eventually you mess up nine out of 10 times and you say, I messed up nine out of 10 times. That one time it's not on you. People are going to believe you than if you make excuses every time. Right. So, um, that's, I try just to take accountability, but it's easy to blow up. If you have a bad pit stop, you get bit on beat on pit road, but you know, if we get beat on pit road and I blow up on the radio and I'm like, Hey, what the heck, what are we doing? One, it's not productive for our race team and trying to win the race. It's not productive at all. But two, what happens when we go have a restart and we restart the race and I miss a shift, then I really look like a dumbass, right? So, um, just not pointing fingers, not, Everyone knows if you mess up, Every, everyone knows who it is. So being frustrated, I'd like to take the approach of, hey, let's rebound. We're all right. We're still in it. We'll be all right and try and take the positive route. Um, that's just always what I've been doing these last couple of years and it's it's been working. I have a great team behind me. Uh, my crew chief, we're basically best friends and, and that's what it takes. It's all about communication. When I come on the radio and I say, hey, the back end stepping out the back, the rear tires don't have enough grip. I'm loose or, Hey, I'm, I'm loose. I'm loose. You know, there's a different tone and voice there. Um, and so just being on the same page as your crew chief and your team making adjustments and everything. That's the biggest thing, making adjustment to the suspension. Hey, we're going to make two rounds of an adjustment on the right rear spring to stiffen it up and, make you turn better or make it tighter. Um, stuff like that, having that, just being able to, to communicate and be on the same page and finish each other's sentences. That's everything in our sport, in my opinion. And, and I have a great team behind me, um, great group of people and a lot of great mentors that, that helped me along the way. And what, how do you, does that transcend into, your interaction with other drivers to be, you know, like we've always been taught in this world to be a good winner and to be a good loser. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Noah, you know, like we're all, we're all in this, you know, we we're battling, but we understand that one day we're, we're not going to win them all. We're going to win some, but we got to shake their hands. Even when we don't, there's been some times in your career to where there has been confrontation because now here we are at that, ultimate peak of adrenaline and your hair stand up on the back of your neck you're going 200 miles an hour you're rocking it you're representing your team your team's behind you then something happens whether it's in pit row whether it's out on the track is this something that is just part of it is this who Noah Gregson is? And you know, hey, if there's going to be confrontation, I'm not going to back down from it. You want to be controversial, Noah Gregson. Do you want to be, or are, do you want to be that respected driver that doesn't ever have any problems with other people that are in, you know, in the same sport as you? Tell me where your mind is on that, because your number one goal is to win. You don't have time for all that other shit. So how do you separate that? When is it time to be controversial? Is it, is, do you want that to get, you know, to get that notoriety or to get that name out there? What is your mindset in building this Noah Gregson brand? You're, you want to be fast. You want to be controversial. You want to be a fighter. Who is Noah Gregson? And how do you take that team concept representing them with the other drivers? Well, my, my main focus is to go to the racetrack and win the race whatever else happens happens but no one remembers second place ever right you don't 100%. remember second place. never you only remember the winner and so i do anything and everything to try and win the race and if it means that i'm gonna bump my teammate out of the way i'm willing to do that is there consequences absolutely are they pissed off? Does it make for a long week next week if I do that? Yes. If I jam it off in there on the bottom and slide up and hit someone and we both wreck, my crew chief always says, I'd rather have a driver wreck going for the win than to surrender and take second. You'd rather wreck and finish dead last going for the win on the last lap than 
have his driver run second and have a good points day, good money for the team and everything. And I'm the same kind of way. I'm the same kind of way. Um, because at the end of the day, like I said, no one remembers second. These guys work so hard on these race cars. 7 a.m. till 4, 5, 6, even midnight sometimes working on these race cars away from their family. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. And then to have great partners and uh, like Johnny Morris, you know, he wants to see his car in victory lane. He wants to see that Bass Pro Shop logo and sitting in victory lane with the checker flag on the roof of the car and the trophy on there. Um, and so just trying to be entertaining and, you know, I take risky, aggressive moves. Do I want to be controversial? No. No, if you could just set smooth sailing, that's easier. But if you're going to be aggressive like I am and you're going to try and do big, risky, bold moves and passes, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, you know, people are going to be mad sometimes. But I'm willing to accept that consequence to go for the win. And I know my team has my back. That's the only thing that really matters to me is my team having my back. Um, you know, I have a great support system with the fans. Um, they buy a lot of t-shirts, got a lot of support on social media, but when I get to the racetrack, I'm not worried about what the other guy's feelings are. I bring my friends to the racetrack and my crew guys are my friends. I like it. It's a, it's a mentality that, I would assume you have to have, if you watch the last dance with Michael Jordan, it would probably be easy to assume that Michael Jordan's the nicest guy in the world. He is, he's a very nice man, but when it comes to winning and it comes to getting his team in position to win, there's no corners cut. This is the end goal. He will do anything to put that trophy in the air and that ring. And he's the greatest of all time. There's nobody that's even close to his mentality, in my opinion. He also knew that you had to fail to understand what winning felt like. And to be a winner, you have to understand failure. How hard is it for you mentally, Noah Gregson, to accept failure? Not saying that you're a failure, but there is a lot of failure in this game because you're not going to win every race. And you just said yourself, you're either first or you're last, kind of like Ricky Bobby. If you don't chew big red, then F you kind of mentality. Either you're first or you're last. Even your pit chief says this, your crew chief, your coaches. How do you accept failure? Because there's a lot of failure in this lifestyle, bro. It's it's a lot of failure. You know, talking about racing 40 other guys, you have a 1 in 40 shot just to finish in front of the guy, those guys on paper. And then you throw in all the variables that we talked about earlier, running over a piece of debris and cutting a tire down. You're going to win a, you're going to lose a lot more than you're going to win. You know, if, if you're winning more races than you're losing, you're the greatest driver of all time guaranteed. And it's, it never has happened and it never will just because of how hard this, this sport is. And, 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 you know, we all know that going in, if you win one, two races a year, it's a pretty good year. Anything more than that is an amazing year, spectacular year. Um, but like you said about failure, you know, you know that going into it, you know, that it's going to be a challenge. You know, there's going to be adversity, but to me, I feel like if I do my best, I can't do any better. And when I lay my head down on the pillow, hey, I go the extra mile preparing for this race. Was I mentally prepared for this race? Was I executing mentally inside the race car? Was I physically executing inside the race car? Was I doing everything to my absolute limits? And did I do my best today? And if I can answer yes, then I lay down and I, I, I sleep like a baby. If I don't, then I'm like, damn, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You know, and I try my best every, every opportunity I get, but sometimes you make mistakes and, and you got to learn from that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of ups and downs in this, in this world of racing, but you just got to remind yourself, Hey, 
I, I'm extremely lucky to be here. If you're at the racetrack, it's a good day. It's not a bad day. And I have a slogan that I say, no bad days, because no matter how your day goes at the racetrack, yeah, it might suck, but there's a hell of a lot worse things that you could be doing than be driving a race car 200 <laughs> miles an hour in NASCAR. And I'm, I'm just very lucky to do it. hundred percent, bro. hundred percent. You, you mentioned laying your head down to sleep. You have a type A personality. I don't know if you're prescribed medicine for ADD. I don't know if you've ever been diagnosed. You might be self-diagnosed, but you're in a sport to where you got to turn it around and get ready for the next week. Even if you win, you still got to go win the next week. All right. There's just no days off in this. How do you turn it off? Noah Gregson, how do you lay your head down at night and sleep? Do you meditate? Are you a yoga guy? Do you watch TV? Is music a big part of this? Is it going out with a girl and just chilling on a beach in the off week? How do you turn it off? Because man, my mind would be going, Holy shit, dude, it's, it's go time again. It's comes Tuesday, Wednesday. It's not a heavy day, but Thursday, I got to be right back in the saddle, ready to rock engineering all the visits all the coaching all the video everything that goes in to getting ready for saturday is there time to relax when you're a nascar driver never 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 ever never the only time you get is during the off season our our, our season goes middle of february to middle of november and then you get a little off season but other than that i mean really it starts january 1st when our season starts, getting prepared in the gym. So you really have Thanksgiving, days. To Thanksgiving <laughs> and New Year's is, you know, 40 days. It's not a whole lot. Um, but going back to your, your earlier question, just about how do you, how do you flip that switch? How do you flip that? Oh, I'm pissed off. It sucks. How do you get over it and be regrouped? Um, you know, it's come with time. It's come with experience and, and you kind of learn. Um, but to me, it's just to constantly remind yourself, hey, work harder next time. You know, don't make that mistake. Learn from it and, and don't ever make it again. I'm okay with making mistakes, but if I make the same mistake twice, that's where I get really pissed off at myself. Um just trying to learn from from my mistakes and sometimes you got to cross the limits and that's where you you make those mistakes but for me i'd say when i put the helmet on i'm pretty outgoing pretty energetic but once i once i put that helmet on my head and i strap those straps it's go time i change personalities i go from joking around and, and smiling to i'm gonna go whoop all your guys' ass today and i'm gonna do whatever it takes and if it means I got to wreck you for the win, I'm going to wreck you. Um, obviously, I, I don't plan on doing that, but if it comes down to it, that's what's going to happen. Um, I'd like to pass them clean, but, I mean, I would I would shove my own mother into the corner, pushing her into the corner and get her loosened up. If she hits the wall, she hits the wall, and I take the win. <laughs> I'll do that. So uh, Does she know this? Up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I tell, I tell her all the time. So it doesn't matter who you are. I, if I see a race car out there, I'm going to try and beat it. It doesn't matter who's in the car. Um, so, but yeah, just for me, you have a bad race, go home. Might be mad that night, sleep on it. When I wake up the next morning, it's like, and that's how it's always been. If I got in, in trouble at school or something bad happened, I would fall asleep and then the, the next morning I would wake up and I just feel an incredible amount of weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, and, and that's kind of all it takes for me. Do you look back in the last, let's say 10 years, I think 13 is when you started. Is this true? Yeah. 13. That's yeah, kind of, is that old for, to yeah, start that's driving? Old. That's old. That's really old. Most, most guys start four, five, six years old. Four, five, six years old. You get a late start on this game. You, you're in the trucks. You're in different sectors of cars. You have success. You have several top ten finishes. You get rookie of the year, I think, in 
I don't know. You, you, do you have to be legally 18 to, to compete? Are you 17 when you get rookie of the year? Do you look back on this career already, Noah Gregson, and be like, what the hell, dude? Like, I love living fast, but I need to pump these brakes and slow this shit down because just yesterday I was 13 in the minis, and now I'm freaking with Dell Jr. and Johnny Morris, and I'm one of the most talked about NASCAR drivers in the world. Like, do you, do you, are you taking time to relish in this, bro? Are you loving this? Are you getting a chance to like, look at it and be like, man, let me take this all in. Because before you know it, you're probably going to be getting inducted into the hall of fame by Dell jr. You're going to have to give a speech and it's all going to be done in the flash. Just like all these races go by so fast. Do you ever take time to think back? Like, man, dude, this has been amazing so far. You know, I, I used to not do that. Spare racing when I was 13 years old. Um, got to 16 years old. Moved up to full-size stock cars when I was 16. Moved up to uh, NASCAR series and I won my first race in my third start in, in this NASCAR series. And, um, you know, that was, that was big for me. That was big for our team going into that year thinking, hey, if I can finish top 10 in points and hopefully get a few top 10 finishes, that'd be big for me. Um, I basically took the jump from from playing flag football to playing college football would be that jump um, into the series that I'm talking about. And to win my third race, that was big. And about a year after I won that race, maybe nine months, I was laying in bed. I'm like, man, I wish I could go back to that moment and stand on top of the car, be in victory lane, raise my hands over my head, hear everyone cheering for me, and just, just I wish I could feel that again. Um, and that's really what was a wake-up call is like, hey, you know, better start appreciating the moment. Not that I didn't appreciate what I was doing, but take that one or two seconds. It's extremely hard to take a second to take a deep breath and be like, and just look around you and be like, man, this is, this is wild. This is cool. Hell yeah. You know? Um, and so ever since that moment laying in bed, thinking about that first win, um, when I moved out to the big cars, the NASCAR uh, cars, I was like, man, I really need to just take a second and appreciate the moment, um, appreciate what I just did. And, you know, I always get asked, we won Daytona back in 2020, first race with, with Bass Pro Shop, first race with Johnny Morris. Everyone's there. It's Daytona. It was my first one in the Xfinity Series. And you're out there and everyone asks, hey, when does it sink in? Has it sunk in yet? You always get those texts. Has it sunk in yet? How does it feel to win at Daytona? And to me, by taking that moment in and just looking around, that's when it sinks in and it's like, holy shit, I just did that. That's pretty wild. And, and that goes back to hitting those jumps. Hey, can I hit this jump? And I hit the jump and land it. Dang, that feels pretty good. It's just a a lot of just adrenaline just releases and it's just, there's nothing like it. When you go back to how we started this conversation, Noah Gregson, Travis Pastrana, and I don't know if you've seen Unchained yet, but I think it's a great documentary in the world of super motocross and the story from the videos and how Travis got discovered and how guys like you discovered Travis Pastrana and how you look up to him. And one of the things that I took out of his story is his allegiance to his friends and family and what it means to have that support staff. And we just talked about for a few minutes about in a sport where you're on the gas all the time, learning how to pump the brakes and realize what's important. Winning is important. You're 22 years old. Winning pays the bills. Winning gets the sponsors. Winning gets the extensions with partners and sponsors, gets the TV ratings, gets all the celebrity. But what I took out of Travis was what was really important is having his mom there watching him and hugging her and knowing the sacrifices that she made. What do you want to be remembered at? Where do you want to be remembered as I should say, what do you want mom to look back and say, wow, he did it. My boy did it. 
she's probably scared shitless every time you get in that car. I'm sure Travis's mom was too, like when he's trying to pull off the double backflip at the X Games and he does it. Then he got people like, you know, jumping over Caesar's Palace and the things they're, they're, you put a, a bit of a fear in her, I'm sure. What about your family, man? What do you want to be looked back at and be like, man, he won, but he was also this. I don't know. I just want to make him proud is the biggest thing. And, you know, I got a lot of support from them. Uh, my mom, my dad, my sister, um, my whole family, my friends. There's a lot of people who support me and I'm very fortunate to, to be able to have that support group and them cheering me on. And I don't know. Uh, I haven't thought about that before. Um, what I want to be remember, remembered as, um, I don't know if I'm just so focused on trying to make it, but I just hope to make them proud. And I don't know. It's a tough question because it's, it's like, really tough. it's tough because man, this life is so special, bro. And to get what you're doing and you're very, I love the humility and I love the the maturity already because this is going to fly by. Everybody told me when I was your age, bro, it flies by and I'd be like, no, it doesn't. Come on, man. I, I'm, I'm going to be young for the rest of my life. And I still feel young. I'm in my mid forties. I feel like I could still do whatever I want in life. Right. But I look at a guy like you that you're 20 years younger than me and it does fly by. And I'm just wondering how you can start relishing in something because I wish in the beginning of my career that I could go back and remember, I've been all over the world hunting and fishing and doing the things that people dream of. And I'm humbled by it. And I hate saying I'm humbled by it because you should be humble no matter what, but I'm so blessed and privileged to be able to do it. And I just wish that I would have grasped on with tighter fingernails and gripped on to more of the stories because they're just gone in such a flash and it's on to the next one. And then it's on to the next one. And then I forget to call mom. I just text her a quick note. Hey mom, love you thinking about you, right? The things that are important, you start forgetting about because you're so geared towards that next one and that success. And you got those Clydesdale Budweiser blinders on, you know, running down that track as fast as you can. And you start forgetting about the important things. And I'm not saying that you have, but I did for a bit in my life. And once I reeled that back in, I started to taste what life was really about. And with your life, I mean, you're all about the next one, you the speed and, and you're on to the next one and you're on to the next season. It's just a weird mentality to think that one day you can look back and go, holy shit, man. What? And I, I'd love to like, no, did it happen to Dale Jr.? Did it happen to all these guys? It's crazy to think that way. What would you tell 22-year-old self? I would tell them to pump the brakes and I would tell them exactly what you just said about standing on that car and understanding what the senses were, the smells were. My daughter was born 10 years ago already, bro. And I freaking, I looked at her yesterday in jujitsu class and I was like, what the heck just happened? You were just literally in diapers and I'm traveling and I'm trying to grow brands and I'm trying to do what I was put on earth to do. And at the same time, try to be a good father figure to her. I would tell my 22 year old self to man, understand that none of this can be taken for granted and that you're going to have to have the ability to share this with people someday because you can't do this all by yourself all the time, right? And I, and I looked at her yesterday, Noah, and I said, man, I wish I would have been more present so many more times. I wish I was present more. I wish still today people were present more. Cause it's so easy to get caught up in social media and the world and your phone and simple texts or a direct message instead of a phone call. When I was your age, we had rotary phones, bro. We called people, we talked, we sat at lunch and talked cause we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all of the news and the updates and the boomerang or the, the TikToks and all of the shit going on that just consumes our brains all the time. And now when I look at my daughter, I just wish I would have been, I could tell my 22 year old self be present every day. You're going to make mistakes, but you got to be there, man. Mentally, physically, emotionally, you got to grip it. You got to freaking feel it. You got to taste it. You got to love it. You got to be, they have this burning passion every single day because before you know it, you're going to be like half of my life's over, man. 
Half of it's over. She's already 10. You know, and I'm not trying to be pity party. I'm not trying to be sad. I'm just trying to tell you that life no, is so freaking it. precious, man. Life is so freaking badass. And I just wish that at 22, I would have said, I'm a college baseball player. I got the spirit that I can't hone in. I'm going to do so many, so much cool shit in my life. And now here I am in my mid forties and I don't even remember half of it. And I just wish that I had pictures printed out in photo albums documented. I would tell you right now, forget the iPhone pics, man, start printing them out and build your legacy in photo albums. Like your mom and dad did. My mom's got hundreds of photo albums that I still love looking through. I would tell you just to love it and to grasp onto it because it's gone in the blink of an eye. And I'm not saying that I'm near death. Don't take me wrong but gosh damn dude i wish i'd have been more present the last 20 years that's one thing i've been trying to do lately is take more pictures and i hated pictures as a kid i absolutely hated taking pictures but i wish i would have liked taking pictures as a kid because it goes by as fast and that's the only memories you really have are those those photographs you know um so i've been trying to take you know if i'm at dinner with a group of people, take a picture of the people that you're with and go back a year and look at that picture and be like, Hey, I remember that. And I've been reading a book. It's called 25 ways to win with people. And, um, one of the chapters, it says that it's all about making memories with people and, um, going out of your way to try and make memories. Um, cause that's really the, the only thing we got, you know? So, um, that's kind of one of those things I've been focused on is trying to make memories with, with people and, uh, just try to have as much fun as possible. Yeah. And I think that that's important. I think that if you, if you look at it to where you know where you're going and you have a good, good approach and you have a good mentality, you obviously have the platform and the talent to do it. Just relish in it, man. It's like that, that, that fast life. Like I, I hope that you're able to slow down and be like, dude, I'm going to enjoy every freaking bit of this. And with your mentality and your ADD and your type A personality like me, you're going to have a hard time honing it in, bro. That's what I'm trying to tell you is like, hey, just freaking understand that that picture is going to be on your wall later on. You're going to be like, that's what it was all about. And I think that you're I think that with the your ability to win, that's going to come natural. I just hope that you understand like how fast it goes by. And I'm not trying to tell you anything you don't know. Like this no, life I'm is crazy, bro. I appreciate that information because like I'm over here at 22 years old, like shit. I don't know what road I need to go down. Do I need to be doing this or do I need to be doing that? And I'm like, shit, there's growing up, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that comes at you fast. And so, um, no, I appreciate you telling me that stuff. Cause shit, that's all I can do is, is try and listen and learn and, um, try to be the best I can be. I, I think I you always are. try to ask people that. What would you tell your younger self? Relish in it, bro. Yeah. Relish in it and be present because I've, I'm telling you, that's the number one thing in my life. And <clears throat> you have a, you have a, a, a badass career going on, my man, but I also know that you, you're, you're, a, you're a guy that probably likes to, uh, have fun too. You're an adrenaline junkie. I want, I got a couple questions just for the fans out there. Want to get to know Noah Gregson on just some simple stuff. You mentioned having a cocktail. What are we having, Noah? What 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 do you bring into the party? What do you prefer? What give me some um, different I'm instances. A, I'm a white claw guy. If I'm if if it's just beer, but if they're pouring mixed drinks, I, I Red Bull vodka guy for sure. Red Bull vodka, huh? Red Bull vodka. Yeah. If I'm going out to dinner or something, I'm going to be out at night, um, special event or something, occasion, Red Bull vodka. Different elements of Noah Gregson's taste in music. Headphones are on. You're in the gym. You're focused on bettering yourself in the gym physically. Maybe you're pumping your biceps. Maybe you're working your uh, quads out a little bit. What's in the ears? So... um, whole lot of different stuff anything from um good charlotte to kanye west the young young doll to pink um wiz khalifa i got on my phone right here that's what i'm reading <laughs> that's um, your workout tape yeah i mean anything leonard skinner's blink 182 um 
And there's so much Tedesto, Black Bear, Pop Smoke, Travis Scott, Green Day, Jack Harlow. Um, there's there's a lot of different. I listen I like to every, it. every genre of music. Um, big Cole Swindell fan here. Um, Cole is one of my buddies. Uh, you know Cole as well? Yeah, I just watched him in Florida on a Saturday night. He opened for Brad Paisley at the uh, Gulf Coast Gym. Uh, was, that was it in Panama? Yeah, right? Panama City Beach, yeah. That was awesome. I was down yeah, there for it. Uh, I like Cole. I got another buddy, Tim Duggar. Um, he's good buddies with Dale as well. Uh, he's, he's a good singer. But I, I like I, – I just appreciate all good music. Um, nice. It could be anything from – Blink-182 to country song to rap to uh, pink, you know, anything, anything in between. I just like to get it going and get pumped up. If mom picks you up and says, hey, we're going to go celebrate your birthday, you get to eat whatever you want, what meal is Noah Gregson having? Uh, I'm going straight to Las Vegas to Fremont Street, and I'm going to a place called La Thai. Uh, it's a Thai food place right on Fremont. And they had the best garlic fried rice. And then I, I go back and forth between gar- garlic fried rice and then short rib fried rice. Um, it It's so good. It's Amazing. my favorite thing. Le I get thai. back to Vegas. Latai. Ooh, nice endorsement. I like it. Latai on Fremont Street, Vegas. Are you a sushi lover? You know, I, I used to hate sushi. But now I'll eat select. If I could build my own sushi roll. That's kind of what I like to do um, if I'm going to eat it. If like It's so hard for me to find a sushi roll because I don't like all that just stuff on it, you know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty picky with sushi. But I've started eating. I've been on a big tuna kick lately. Um, went down to Cabo over the, the off-season for New Year's, and we went fishing, and we caught um, – some Dorado down there and eating that Dorado. I was like, man, you know, fish is pretty good. And then I started trying tunas and, um, yellowfin and stuff and she made all that. And I really enjoy it now. So we've been going to a place called, uh, pokey bros in, uh, North Carolina here by the shop and eating that stuff. So, um, that's been pretty good. So, but sushi every once in a while, but I, I like just the, the, Shishimis and stuff. Funniest actor right now of your generation. Um, I hope you get this right. Are you a movie guy? Are you even into movies? Are, okay, so you're not a Vince Vaughn fan then. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do. I, I enjoy movies every once in a while. I really enjoy documentaries and comedies. Um, that's kind of like my two genres of choice. If I'm going to, excuse me, watch like a film. Um, but really my favorite movie is, uh, Step Brothers. Oh, Star- Will, Step Brothers. Uh, it's hilarious. I'm more of a wedding crashers and hangover guy, but, but Step Brothers. I like super, wedding crashers as well. In super bad. I remember watching that when I was, uh, like seven or eight years don't old. Don't say and, it, Noah. Come on. Yeah. Don't say it. Don't hey, say hey, it. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I love Wedding Crashers. I love The Hangover, which was shot in your hometown of Vegas. And I love Superbad. I thought freaking that movie was freaking Jonah Hill. I'm a big comedy guy. Me too, no, man. That's, we share that. I'm a huge a, comedy guy. Huge. Too. I love joking around. And I always loved, you know, in school growing up, being the, the class clown and stuff, talking, getting in trouble with talking and making jokes and stuff. I love that was it. Always I love comedies. I am, I'm on the same boat. Last question. I know you're busy. I know you got to get ready for the track, my man. Noah Gregson, you get five guys. Five guys you get to go on a fishing trip with. They got to mean something to you. They got to be leaders. They got to be inspirers. They got to be influential in Noah Gregson's life. Mentors, coaches. Who are the five guys or five women? You can have a combo that would be on that boat with you to share the experience. Shit. That's hard. My dad, Brandon McReynolds, who has been my driving coach slash big brother slash, um, manager the past handful of years. Um, 
Dustin Ash, who started me in my racing career. Johnny Morris, because you, I just want to hear the stories. Oh, I agree. And then oh, that's tough. Can we do six or, <laughs> or <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to name anymore. I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see kind of where your mindset is of who that boat's filled with, man. Because most guys your age would name couple buddies, couple girls, you're out in Cabo and you're rocking that boat. But see, I mean, like you got those mentors on there and it's all about learning from the, the older generation, in my opinion, and trying to be like them. I just want to hear the stories. So if you, get, if you get one question and one NASCAR driver in history, who do you pick and what question is it? Myself. In 20 years, and what would you do 20 years different? If you if you could tell yourself, 22-year-old self, what you would do different, what would it be? Nice. I, would ask, I would try and ask myself. I don't know if that's... No, it makes total you know, sense. But I would, I would ask myself, what would you do different? Bro, it's all if about self-reflection, man. It's all about yeah. self-reflection. Going for the win is one thing. But at the end of the day, when they put you in that box and put you six feet in the dirt... Nobody's probably going to remember the wins anymore anyway. It's all about legacy and what you meant to the people that you meant something to. And that's what I love about somebody your age that's getting it. And obviously you're being well coached and well mentored and you were well parented. You were brought up the right way. So, man, I, I wish you nothing but the best success wise, life wise. Maybe we could become friends. We hit a mountain together. We chase a deer, go chase a duck, get the rods out and catch some bass. I knew, I know you get plenty of opportunities, man, but if there's any way that we could ever help you. We're here for you, brother. I love seeing the success. I love seeing you have a good head on your shoulders and safety first. And uh, hopefully these wins keep coming your way, my man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been it's been a lot of fun being able to chat with you and learn from you. And, um, yeah, we definitely got to get, get together soon. Maybe go hunting or fishing or, or go to a concert or something. Or to Latai. Latai. That too. You let me know. I'll be there. All right, my man. Well, uh, that's Noah Gregson. Y'all check this dude out. He has got it going on. He's unbelievably awesome to follow on social media platforms. He is a winner. He is a fast, fast, fast race car driver, and I love his style. Um, I can't say enough about him. Support the kid. Send him your best wishes in a DM. Get one of his shirts. He's going to the next level. He's going to want to be one of the greatest of all time. That's been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast brought to you again by our friends, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions, the downloads, the support of our podcast, all of our TV shows. We'll have another episode for you here again, right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone?